Welcome to the Conscious Being Podcast. Conscious Being is a medium publication started by me, Elizabeth Wright, to promote disabled women's voices. Disabled women are some of the most underrepresented people in society, and my mission is to change this. To have a truly inclusive world, we need to acknowledge and learn from these absolutely amazing women. On this podcast, we will be interviewing women of all ages, backgrounds, and disabilities, going in deep with issues that these women face and how they imagine a more inclusive world could be. So join us on this journey, be challenged, learn, and grow. Here we go. This is the Conscious Being podcast, where we have discussions with disabled women of all ages and explore who they are, what they do, and what makes them tick. Along the way, we will smash stereotypes, challenge ableism, and create a new vision and narrative of what disability is. So welcome, everyone, to the next Conscious Being podcast. Today, we have the ever-wonderful Tasmin, who we've been trying to have a chat with for a couple of weeks now, and we finally got here. So welcome, Tasmin. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm so, so glad that we finally got to this point and fingers crossed the tech stays behaving and all good. Um, <laughs> I'm sure it will be um, because I think today's talk is going to be really, really interesting. Awesome. I'm looking forward to it. <laughs> good, good. <laughs> I'll throw, you know what, I'm going to chuck the first question at yeah. you and, um, and just let you introduce yourself. So essentially, who is Tasneem? Yeah, so I had to think about this question. Um, and I, it, the best way to probably sum it up is, is I'm someone who has been pretty much a student activist for the past couple of years. I've been really passionate about supporting disability related things. And now I'm kind of, um, I'm now a PhD student, which is a, who's exploring the relationship between disability and ethnicity. So I feel like that sums it up. <laughs> Sums it up, which is, you know, a really fascinating thing because, you know, I'll be, I'll be really honest with you. It's, um, you know, growing up with, with my disability, I've always framed the idea of disability from my perspective. And it's probably not until really the past few years that I've really given much thought to the intersectionality around disability and what that actually means. And certainly that um, sounds like definitely the lens that you're exploring. Yeah, definitely. It was something that I never really realised until I was at university. And I feel like I had my own whole journey with disability. And maybe the older that I got, I realised just how much, you know, coming from a minority ethnic background also shaped my experience as well, as well as also being female, as well as also coming from a working class background. But it all kind of came together. And, you know, the more you meet, a, you know a lot of people from diverse backgrounds and everything you start to see the similarities but you also start to see the differences so it's one of those things where you're just like it's really it's really incredible where you can relate to people when it comes to uh, certain things uh, like you know disability in itself and I'm pretty sure like we can we can delve into that more in a moment but it is really interesting to see how you know that all connects us very I know um because certainly, you know, my, so my experience, like, you know, my, you know, my housemate, Ange, um, you know, that was kind of how we connected and um, it was through an a, a 
online event that I was doing with Ange, wasn't it? That you kind of came yeah. across us and, and the premise of that um, kind of online event that my classmate Ange and I were around um, the touch points or, or empathy points across um, different minority groups and how we can kind of connect through that, which I think is why you were kind of interested in what we were talking yeah. about. Definitely. I feel like there is not enough that looks at the relationship between ethnicity and disability. So coming across Angie's event on it was really, really exciting. And I guess that's one of the perks of having a lot of virtual events these yeah. days now. <laughs> exactly. And, exactly. And I feel like that's kind of where, where my PhD also has taken me. It's one of those areas which have not been exposed. And I've met a few people who are either similar to me or whatever it is and it's just amazing to see that there was a little bit of research done on it in the early like two uh, early 21st century but then it almost kind of dropped a little bit so I'm really really excited to like get to you know being engrossed in this research which is all going to really start to kick off before the end of this year to really connect those people together because Honestly, I feel like that I do. I don't get to meet people who are similar to me on an everyday basis, um, and yeah. something like my research will, you know, hopefully make that happen. Which I I completely get because I think certainly when I was doing my fine art degree and I really delved into disability politics, it was such a revelation for me to kind of be <laughs> like, oh my gosh, there's people out there who are having similar experiences to me, facing similar barriers, and and I guess with that layer of intersectionality, it's it's kind of even deeper than than yeah. one layer or two layers, you know. Definitely. Um, what you were saying about student, like you know, disability politics being this whole revelation, I feel like that's basically what happened to me whilst I was at university too. Like, I didn't meet a lot of, growing up, I never met a lot of people with disabilities. And it was through the National Union of Students where yeah. I, I had the opportunity to get involved in some, like, online, not online, national disabled students campaign. And that honestly changed how I viewed disability and it was done in such a way where you know you get to meet people who are similar like you know uh, who, who knew exactly what kind of challenges you were about but these were also people who who wanted to make it better and yeah. that honestly really really shifted how I, how I viewed everything really. Yeah yeah no it's it's I think it definitely um opens your mind it's it's interesting yesterday um on the conscious being twitter i actually did um a, um a poll about the social model of disability because i was just curious about um how many people maybe knew about it maybe who didn't know about it maybe who thought it had been helpful and who didn't and it was quite interesting that a majority like the result of the poll morning when i looked at it a majority of people were like yes it has helped i know about it it's all great but surprisingly i think it ended up being about 30 percent of answers was like i don't know about this mm -hmm. um, and, and i know certainly for me um the like it was while i was at uni that i really discovered the social model of disability and it gave me thought but it's really made me think you know in terms of maybe in some way um you know, for us discovering this at uni, is that kind of really one, only one avenue within which that we can discover that political side of, of disability, mm -hmm. understanding how um, 
we can be more political in our own lives and, and revolutionary and, and be activists and create positive change um, because maybe the message of, of all of this is not getting out as far as far and wide as we can. No, I, I would agree completely. I feel like as soon as I came across the social model, I was a bit like, this makes a lot of sense. And if people saw it this way, it would really make people not think so negatively of people with disabilities. Like, yeah. this is one of the connections that I'd make when it comes to it growing up from an ethnic minority background, is, is that the social model definitely does, what well, in my opinion, definitely does not reach these particular communities very well. And like yeah. you were saying, the message isn't already out there. I grew up with this idea that disability shouldn't stop you. But when your disability is something that's kind of deteriorating, um, yeah. so I don't know if I have actually said so, I have a sight impairment and I'm partially deaf. Uh, and when yeah. I'm going up with it, I didn't really realise the extent of it or the limit of it. And then it got to a point where it was getting worse. And it was almost kind of like, you know, I had almost grown up with this image of disability shouldn't stop you, you can do whatever you want. But then you realise actually it does stop you. But then you also don't want to come across like you're not able to do things and that you have like you know, you have the ability to do everything just like everyone else in your family is able to. You can go to university wherever you want. Yeah. You can get a job, you can do a career, you shouldn't have to think about your disability. And in theory that's nice. But it's also somewhat of a mis yeah, it's a little bit misleading in that it doesn't really prepare you for the real world. Like yeah. I think the older that I've gotten, uh, it's it's definitely this idea of we, you know, we have a disability and we have to, do, we may have to do things differently, but that's okay. And that's what I really got out of the social model. But I yeah. felt like a lot of this came to me, like, you know, basically in the last three years. Uh, and it's, a, it's always a learning curve process and realizing actually maybe this does help or maybe yeah. actually you know I shouldn't be so cynical but to have this sort of help maybe it's actually beneficial maybe I should actually try and explore these things but it's almost yeah, like trying you know. to shift that mindset that like actually I am okay with this help it doesn't mean that I'm not able to do things and yeah. it just means I just do it differently yeah i guess i guess it kind of leads us a little bit onto the next question because i mean you've kind of touched a little bit on this already but i'm just wondering if um there's kind of um perhaps even deeper meaning for you especially in light of growing up and having these kind of re revelatory experiences but what what does disability mean to you now um yeah and do you even identify with that term disability mm -hmm. see growing up I always thought to myself, like, I, yes, I have a disability, but I never, like, thought myself of, I'm, I'm a disabled person. But mm -hmm. I think the time where it hit me more, where I felt like I was a disabled person, was when I wasn't able to go to the university of my choice. And I ended up going to a local university because it was going to be a lot easier to deal with my housing situation and, mm -hmm. you know, what support was going to be there. And it made sense why that mentality was there. And, you know, it's a very, it's a very much a protective, like, ideology. And you obviously want people to be safe. But yeah. it really hit me the hardest then because it almost felt like I was prevented from doing something that I wanted. And that is quite, it, it goes to show you that my mentality of disability, I was quite negative and I viewed it as a barrier. I viewed it as an obstacle. 
things like that. But then I think the older that I got, when I started to meet more people with disabilities, more people from other ethnic minority backgrounds as well, I kind of realized I wasn't on my own. And I kind of realized that talking about my experiences with other people, people could relate to it. And it was a bit like, where ha where have these people been my whole life? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why haven't I connected with these people earlier? Yeah. And I found myself like just leaning to wanting to do, do more activist work within my university and keep doing it nationally and ended up like looking, you know, representing people in terms of their welfare and well-being. And it, it took me to a whole other direction when I realized what I, you know, if I could, if I had that support earlier, maybe, you know, it would have changed my life. So maybe I could do it for other people. And then it just got me into this whole idea of actually but there are people who are from, you know, ethnic minority backgrounds with disabilities mm -hmm. who may have not had the support or may have not had this kind of like motivation to realise actually we can do things differently. And I feel like that's that I feel like because of that, that's how I started to take it more as a defining, you know, it was a defining feature before, but right now for me, it's much more of a driving force. It's a, yeah. it's a nice way to put it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I, I can definitely get that. In in terms of your, your childhood, did you did you have any friends who had disabilities of any kind or were you a bit because like with me growing up, um, especially, you know, before I hit my teenage years, I knew no other child with a disability. Mm -hmm. See, this is interesting. I feel like the most that I knew about disability growing up was perhaps just dyslexia because that's a lot more common um but then it wasn't it wasn't really out there either and i felt like there were certain people who i knew who probably reacted to things differently or to according to other people inappropriately or maybe they just didn't know how to react to things as well and yeah. people just you know grow up you grow up and being told oh they're just like that that's just how they are and they're kind of viewed negatively but you know we yeah. we all love these people regardless if you get me but it was never really fully acknowledged in that sense but it was never really talked about so openly i think like i didn't i, I don't think i had any friends growing up with disabilities at all or like if they were they weren't as limiting as like you know they've it wasn't as like as severe or as yeah. uh, as limiting as it was going to be really but i don't think i ever had a conversation with like my schools growing up about what on earth is going to happen with my disability the older i get and things like that really and it's just, it's really for me it's mind-blowing because especially seeing how much it defines my life now i just feel like it, it was like this big void in my life which is never really really addressed and honestly, I don't know how I would, would have had those conversations because at the same time, my mentality back then is that I didn't see myself as disabled. Uh, so I didn't feel like I needed to have these conversations. Yeah, I think, it, yeah, it's, I, I do get that, I think, in a way, because I guess for me, because my, my disability is so visible, it's, it's kind of like, you know, I've not, I've not been able to not, see it if that makes sense it's always constantly been there and on show and that interaction engagement i have with people around me you know even as a as a child i was so aware of people staring at me or they would ask my parents what happened to her and 
and stuff like that. I was always so aware of disability, but I, I do get that kind of, I think, before I became more political about it, there was definitely a void there. It was almost like a rejection of a certain part of, of my identity, which was actually quite a big part because yeah. we're, always, we're always defined, I guess, by our experiences, definitely by our lived experience of how we engage with mm-hmm. the world. So I can kind of yeah. see, yeah, where you're coming from. What you were saying about, like, you know, how things are visible, like sometimes there are times, and, and this is still a, a thing that I'm always working on, is how reluctant I was to, uh, when it came to using the cane, um, because yeah. when you use, like, a, a cane, it's visible, it's out there, it's a little, it makes yeah. a little noise, and sometimes it tires your arm out the longer you use it. I think I got into uh, using it, or I, I was at least trained to use it probably around when I was in sixth form college time. Yeah. But I knew back then I, I didn't want to use it because I didn't want to attract attention and I just didn't want to have, you know, people just to glance towards me. Even if they glanced towards me, I just didn't want that kind of attention at all. Mm. And I remember eventually thinking to myself, like, I was just purposely putting myself in situations where I was struggling for no reason. And it was just a bit like, you know, it, it, you start to think to yourself, like, actually, there is no point of struggling. You don't need to put yourself through that. And I remember at one point using my, like, getting a little bit fed up with how much I was struggling. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going to pull up my cane. And then I remember, like, a child, like, pointing out to his mom, being like, hey, why are they, uh, why is she using a cane? And it was a bit like, actually, you know what, this is a little bit of an educational thing for other people, too. Um, I also thought it was a little bit of a progress, because I moved in, I only started living independently about three years ago. And it was, it was one whole, you know, again, it was having to adjust to whole new players and being comfortable using the cane. But then I just found myself like, actually, I need the cane. People need to get out my way. (laughs) It was my signal to the world. Like, actually, if you don't want me to bump into you, stay away from me. I love that, actually. Um, oh, my gosh. The other day on, on Twitter, um, uh, one of I was having a discussion with one of my followers who's, who's limb different as well, and occasionally she uses a prosthetic arm, and she had a bit of a tiff with a lady at the tip, and, um, and she was like, oh, sometimes I just want to take my prosthetic arm off and tell the people, and I was like... <laughs> I'm like that with my prosthetic leg. I'm like, hey, you can completely take on the world. Our mobility aids and everything and rule as far as I'm concerned. Definitely. I mean, it's just like there's so much you having to juggle on your mind. Like you're juggling your, your own safety and other people. And it's also, you know, it's also everything's moving so quickly and it just gets so frustrating where you're a bit like, nope, I'm just going to own this and take it in my stride. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think, I think that's the thing is, especially as a teenager, kind of what you were saying about, um, you know, that reluctance to, to use the cane and stuff like that, um, kind of in your teenage years. And certainly I think teenage years are really tough when you've got a disability because, and I think even more so when you are a, a teenage girl, because we, you know, we get so much pressure put on ourselves to be certain ways anyway. And then you've got that added layer of, of difference of disability. And and then, I mean, for you, you know, there's obviously all those additional intersectional layers that you have and, and it's, it's a struggle. It's hard. 
it's a it's a weird one because it was like I was saying that there was these sort of intersectionality things that I experienced much later. Like I remember when I was waiting to get picked up from university and this was, it wasn't like extremely late. It was extremely late, but it was extremely late to be in a library, of course. But I remember uh, someone walking past um, for, and they were using racial slurs and it was a bit like, it was dark at this time. I was waiting mm-hmm. to get picked up. Not only do I evidently look brown, <laughs> but I'm also disabled and I'm also a woman. And it's all these sort of things where you just think to yourself, like, if anything worse had happened at that point, how would you deal with those sort of situations? And it's almost interesting work, interesting and a little bit, and a little bit daunting to see how those sort of the, the intersectionality comes together and how, you know, how, how all these struggles all come together, basically, really. Well, nothing it, didn't bad happen, but it all just made yeah. me really, really think hard about, you know, how other people go through these sort of situations and how overwhelming yeah. it can be. Because it is that thing, I think, whether you're a teenager or even, you know, as as you kind of grow into womanhood and become a woman with a disability. I know certainly for me, you know, I'm very aware that so many of my non-disabled uh, female friends are very, you know, can be very nervous at night if they're out on their own and stuff like that. And certainly, you know, there have been instances where I've been on my own somewhere at night and, and it is that thing, like, I'm so aware that if something did happen, um, I've got that added, with that added layer of disability, I can't run. So if someone me or something like that, I certainly can't defend myself or run. Exactly. And <laughs> I, feel, I feel like, yeah, no, exactly. I feel like this is probably one of the main reasons why I had ended up missing out on some university-like experiences as well, because it was all these things to think about. And then you ask yourself, like, is it really worth putting yourself that necessarily but I think especially in the past three years I've gotten better out of that mindset like uh, I've moved from like I don't know like four or five different places in in such a short space amount of time and I honestly find it such a massive challenge to you know readjust and readapt a whole new place but it hasn't stopped me you know move from all these sort of cities that I've moved and you know if I've had a you know I just moved her to do an internship and there was a lot of things especially when it was during like winter autumn time like is it something that I can do um but the older that I've gotten it's more like you know what I'm not going to stop let my disability stop me from doing these opportunities where where there's a will there's, there's a way to make it happen and I think and I think there is yeah as you say the older you get the I guess maybe the smarter you get about how you approach certain situations you know certainly for me um you know, if I'm meeting friends out for dinner or something and I'm driving in, I'll try and find a, a car park that's secure and has blue badge parking that I can use and, um, you know, isn't far from the restaurant or something like that. And, um, which, you know, in, in general, I guess most of us do and think about anyway. But um, Definitely. Yeah. It's like um, the thing that I'm still trying to figure out now is if I'm seeing friends and um, it's one of it, wait, yeah, if I'm seeing friends uh, and all, I have to rethink like if I'm going to go out there, do I know, will I be able to get there back at night? Because usually these friends, things usually end up quite late. Will there be a friend that I have in my mind that I could, you know, trust if I need to pop the toilet or maybe get to like the bus or the train or wherever it yeah. is? Rather than put yourself in, you know, a difficult 
difficult situation and I think I've gotten much better at trying to be vocal about these sort of you know these things that I I, I want from people really but it's yeah. a bit like if you want me and my company then I only just ask you if you can lend me a hand and I think that you know you almost feel like sometimes you're burdening them with the sort of like expectation to help you okay yeah. them to help you yeah. but in real life like we all have to lean on each other we all are yeah. somewhat you know we live in a very interdependent society and it's, it's, a, it's always a challenge to do so yeah no that's that's very much true and I mean to be fair it's like um you know wherever I am even if it's in the daytime if if there's a a certain space or something that I'm going to have difficulty accessing I mean I've asked absolute strangers before for help so Mm -hmm. um you know it's it's just something that that you learn to do but I think it is definitely that interdependence that we all have you know it's we're all we're all here living this life together aren't we and we're trying to figure it out as best we can and um and i think we do definitely have to support each other in that respect which kind of nicely leads me on to uh our last question for the podcast which is about um i want to know more about your experience at university especially in terms of accessibility and inclusion and what your university in particular has been like or universities that you've attended has been like and um kind of maybe some tips that you would give to to some disabled young women who might be considering going to university yeah um so i'd say that it's gonna be. It, 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 it might be challenging, but even if it's challenging, that does not stop you from making the most of your time at university. And I think that was very much the mentality that I had at university. Even though it didn't go where I wanted to, I was a bit like, you know, no one or nothing is gonna stop me from embracing this life. Like it is something to enjoy uh, if yeah. you can, and it is a challenge. But by all means, like it is all about trying to get things ready. A lot of a pre- a preparation really does kind of go on, go in a long way, trying to get whatever support you can get from the universities and things like that. But for me, what really worked and what really helped was connecting with other students with other you know, with disabilities. And I really think that when you have that environment, when you have that supportive network platform as well that will really help you get out of your shell a a lot more than you could ever imagine and it's a little bit challenging to put yourself out there but it is a little bit of a process You're, you're learning about what works for you as well as how you work you know how society works around you as well um so it is a bit challenging and and things like that but i think when when it came to me it was always like if i wanted to make things happen there was going to be some way to work out maybe i needed to take baby steps towards it in order to get comfortable but it's almost like you have to try and do things at your own pace not other people's paces as well and i think you know i'm doing the phd now and you'd think that all these years in in academic academia that i would have a better idea what to suggest and what to it is honestly such a it's such a learning curve um, as yeah. you know, I've changed universities halfway and it's a bit like I you, you know all your institutions have like 
supportive disability services and things like that really that you know more and more universities are having platforms where there are students who can connect um as well so it is it is a little bit of a trial and error process and sometimes there are going to be points where it feels rather deflating and it feels rather you know a really big challenge but putting yeah. yourself out there is one way to go yeah Brilliant. So just one last quick question. Where 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 do you intend to, to go once you've completed your PhD? What what's your aims? What do you want to kind of um do with the PhD once you've completed it and no doubt aced it and passed it and done brilliant things with it? <laughs> <laughs> I um I don't I don't one hundred percent know yet because I'm someone who has really, really big ambitions and mm. I almost have like a goal where I want to be in like fifteen years. But where I see myself is I really would love to be at the forefront of supporting people from marginalised communities. I really love trying to connect people together. I really love trying to research these things and using that research in a really impactful way that unites people together mm. and basically having those people, their voices heard at the forefront of a lot of things, whether it's policy or whatever, um, charities or things like that. So I kind of see myself going more into the third sector and, mm. and seeing how that goes, really. I've still got two more years to figure it out. Um, <laughs> but I am, I am really, really excited. I'm really excited to see just how the end of my PhD pan, uh, pans out, really. Yeah. I think I want to really, because I've worked in third sector, uh, tw- oh, the past two jobs I've had as well, I've worked in third, in the third sector. And I've honestly really, really loved it. So we'll see how it goes. <laughs> Brilliant. I think I think we'll definitely have to get you back once you finished your PhD, so you can tell us all about your research and what you've discovered. <laughs> I, I think it'd be so important for people um, to to know about because I know certainly, like like I said at the start um, of the podcast, it's that that lack of awareness I think of intersectionality within the disability community that definitely I had, and and it's not been till the past few years that I've really become aware of it, and that acknowledging that. If, if we're going to be a powerful movement for positive change, we have to make sure that we listen to, understand um, and include uh, black and brown women with disabilities in the movement. You know, it's so uh, crucially important to do that. And, um, and I think, you know, the discussion with you today has definitely opened my eyes even more to <laughs> kind of this, this uh, level of intersectionality and lived experience. And thank you so much, Tasneem, for being a guest. Yeah, no, thank you so much. I'm really, really glad I got to be a part of it and I can't wait to still keep in touch with everybody. Oh, definitely. Definitely we'll be keeping in touch. Thank you, Tasneem. That's it. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the Conscious Being Podcast. Did you know that you can support the Conscious Being publication and podcast on Patreon? As a publication, we aim to financially support our writers, but we need your help. With a monthly subscription through Patreon, you will contribute to our dream to pay our writers a fair industry fee for their work. All disabled people deserve fair pay, and we are a fair paying publication. Check out the link to Patreon in the show notes, and we are grateful for any support you can give.